I want to give honor to my wife. It's so good to have her in service with us this morning. And normally Sister Janet is upstairs serving with our kids and she does a great job. And Janet, I really do appreciate your service and all you do for our kids and you and your team. You do a great job. And I just want you to know that. I give you honor. Janet and I also want to thank each of you for pastor's appreciation, for your cards, your words of encouragement, your love, your gift cards, your text, all of that. It pours life back into our spirit. You may think it's nothing, but it means a whole lot to us. And I do. And Janet does. We appreciate it so very much. Here's some humor for you, maybe just to make you smile. So there's a Louisiana man and he absolutely loved his dog. Everywhere he went, his dog went with him. But it just so happened somehow, some way, this dog got hit by a car. So he takes the dog to the vet and he says, vet, he says, listen, I love my dog. He said, I'm crazy about this dog. I'd do anything for this dog. He said, this dog goes everywhere with me. He said, and now he said, my most precious possession is hurt. He said, can you help me? And the vet said, well, he said, uh, let me examine him and see what I can do. So he said, okay, so... Ben examines him, he comes back and he says, yes, he said, yes, I can save your dog. He said, well, how much is that going to cost? He said, $7,000. He said, doctor, is it going to suffer? How long is he going to suffer when you put him down? <laughs> There's a cost to everything. And you have to, you have to ask yourself, do I want to pay the cost to live a life that is not for sale? Oh, can I say it again? Am I willing to pay the cost to live a life that is not for sale? You have to make up in your mind that come, come, what's the old saying? Hell or high water? Sink or swim? Devil, I'm not for sale. I didn't get in this to get out. I got in to make it all the way. Come on, somebody. I'm going to take my thoughts today from the book of Matthew chapter 6. Now this message did not originate with me, but it resonates deeply with me. And so for that, I want to talk on this subject, values that determine your victory. Values that determine your victory. Father, for the next few minutes, Lord, would you just anoint my mind and my mouth and help me to say it like I feel it? To speak into the womb of this church that a seed would be planted. That Lord, in due season, it would bear forth much fruit in our lives. And we give you thanks and praise, honor and glory. And everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. One of our deepest needs in life is to feel secure. To feel like we're valued. That we're important, that we have significance, that our life counts. That is a very deep need in every one of us. And as a result, to want to feel valued, we're constantly doing two things. We are comparing and we are evaluating. And we're doing it consciously and we're doing it unconsciously we consciously and unconsciously evaluate ourselves by comparing ourselves to other people and the problem is the way we judge our value is 100% wrong based off of the word of God here's the first way that we value our worth is by our appearance in fact, there is a whole industry built off of appearance, and it's called Hollywood. And Hollywood says that you're not really valuable if you're not beautiful or handsome, if you don't have all the curves or all the muscles, if you're not ravishing in your looks, that you're not valuable. 
The problem with that is, is most of us are just normal people with normal looks. Now, I know there's some of you that don't think that, but. But here's the point. If high value is being super attractive, then that leaves most people out. The Bible says that we should not evaluate ourselves based off of our appearance. And even God does not look on the outward appearance. How high you are, how tall, how wide, whatever, your color of your skin. God doesn't even evaluate you on that. He's looking at something much deeper than that. And that is the beauty of your spirit. Here's the second way that we value our worth. It's by affluence. And this is the myth, ladies and gentlemen, of materialism. This says that if we have a lot, then we must be worth a lot. But if we have a little, then we must be worth just a little as a person. And as your pastor this morning, I plead with you, please do not tie your self-worth with your net worth. I'm going to say that again. This culture may do that, but you live in an inverted culture. God says when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. God doesn't look at you that you're valuable if you have a lot of affluence. Here's the third way that we value ourselves is by our achievement. If we get the win or the trophy or the ribbon or we get the corner office or somebody tells us that we've just done a great job and gives us a raise, then we must be good. And if we're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, this creates what is called a workaholic. And work workaholic can be just as wrong if you're not careful as an alcoholic. Now, I know you may not like to hear that, but a workaholic is basically being driven because they need to feel good about themselves by their achievements and reaching their goals. And they're like a little Labrador that's looking for somebody to pat them on the head that says you're a good boy because you accomplished a certain goal and you're always looking for that next achievement. Here's the next way that our culture values our worth. And that is approval. Approval is basing our worth on how well we're liked. And this has gotten even worse now that social media is around. There are now students and young people and even parents that are valuing their worth based off of how many likes and followers that they have. How much that people are looking at them on social media. And if you're liked a lot, you must be valued a lot. And if you're liked a little, you must not have a whole lot of worth. And I want to tell you that is a lie that is belched out of the pit of hell. And some in this room this morning, you have spent your, try, your time trying to gain approval of somebody who's never going to give it. I don't mean to be rude. I'm just going to be real. If you don't have your parents' approval by now, you'll probably never get it. But here's the point. You don't need it to be happy. Your happiness, ladies and gentlemen, is not dependent on the approval of other people. Study after study after study has shown this fact. How we feel about ourselves is based on what we think the most important person in our life thinks about us. So I highly recommend that you make the most important person in your life Jesus Christ. Because Jesus
Jesus is going to tell you the truth and he's going to love you unconditionally. He's not going to say, I love you if you give me sex. I love you if you make me money. I love you if you achieve this goal. Jesus is going to say, I love you, period, unconditionally. Jesus is going to tell you that my love is wide enough to go and be everywhere. That it is deep enough to handle your deepest problem and your deepest pain. And it's long enough to last forever. And it's high enough to overlook your faults and your flaws and your mistakes. Can I get a witness? See, the problem with appearance and affluence and achievement and approval is that they're all unstable. Come on, they were they were saying one day, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The same crowd a few days later was saying, crucify him. I'm going to tell you, people can think you're a hero one day and a zero the next. They're moody, they're fickle. I can tell y'all ain't ready for me. I can tell right now you ain't ready for this. But I'm going to keep coming anyway. Because if you build your life on people, you're going to be disappointed. I'm going to keep telling you, don't put me and Janet on no pedestal. Because sure enough, we'll disappoint you because God's going to allow it. You keep us in our lane and you make sure you always put God on that pedestal. Because God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. His love will never end in your life. People will let you down. Friends come and go, but Jesus comes and stays. Can I get a witness in this house? Young people, listen to me. If you go into my bedroom... You're going to see a young man at 23 years of age that had a head full of hair. Oh, yeah. I'm going to just tell you, y'all, I, I, I've come a long ways because I grew up a vain man. My mama used to tell me, Wayne, you're so vain. I said, I know it and pray for me, mama. <laughs> but here's why I want to tell you that. At 24, I had a head full of hair. At 55, I don't have much. At 24, I didn't have any wrinkles in my skin. At 55, I got a crater right here that it embarrassed the Grand Canyon. Here's what I want to tell you. Beauty fades. I'm going to say it again. Beauty fades. You better not put your trust in your appearance. What happens if you lose it as you get older? God keeps loving you because he ain't looking at your scars. He ain't looking at your blonde hair or your black hair or your curves. He's looking at your heart. You say, I can tell by some of you the way you're looking. You're like, what did you eat? I, I don't eat on Sunday mornings. I hadn't eaten nothing. I'm just high on the Holy Spirit right now. I want to communicate to you. Your beauty will fade. Your possessions will wear out. You get a new truck, hang on to it for three years. You're going to be wanting another new one. Because possessions fade. Guess what? Your achievements, when you set yourself this high, guess what the next person behind you wants? They want to break your record. So your record only stands for so long and then somebody's going to make it their benchmark to try to break it so they can achieve something higher than you. So successes don't last always. Here's the last one. I don't care what you do. If you, My daddy used to tell me, Wayne, if I gave some people $100, it wouldn't be green enough. Something would be wrong with it. Listen to me, sweetheart. There are just going to be people in your life they just don't like you. They just don't like you. No matter what you do, they don't like you. And you just have to learn that it's their problem, not yours. You don't have to like me for God to love me. 
That don't mean I put my nose up in the air and shun you. It just means this. I don't have to have your approval to have God's approval. I don't have to walk around thinking about who don't like me because I know who loves me. And that's why you got to get this in your spirit. Can I keep preaching? Here's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to talk about your values determine your victories. When you get a different set of values than what the world does, it'll transform your life. Come on, somebody. It will set you free, brothers and sisters, from stressing about your appearance. I still want to look nice. I just got to work with what I got. Ain't much. Are you with me? But I ain't stressing over it. I'm trying not to. God help me. Try <laughs> Talk to Janet. She'll tell you different. You know what it'll do when you get these different set of values? It will deliver you from the expectation of others. It'll loose you from the grip of materialism. And it'll set you free from the pressure of being a workaholic. And you can rest in Christ. So, Pastor, you say, what does a different set of values look like? Well, let's go to Genesis 3, 2 and 15. This is the ESV version. It said the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden. The word Eden basically means five words. A delightful spot in the presence of God. Eden means a delightful spot in the presence of God. Y'all, I'm a rooster and a rooster's got to crow and a preacher's got to preach. So if you got to leave, I understand. But I'm going to be here a minute because I got something to say. Are you with me? See, see, God put you in Eden. Think about this. God designed you for paradise to be in relationship with him. He never designed you to go to hell. Hell was for the devil and his angels. That's why every Sunday I don't try to dip you in there because you were never designed for it. Now, you and I are going to go if we don't please him. But that's not good news. The good news is, is that no matter what you've done, where you've done it, who you've done it with, that his grace is sufficient to cover all of that. And hell doesn't have to be where you end up because God didn't design it for you. He designed you to be in a garden with him in relationship with abundance. That's what he designed. And so this is Eden. And God put man and woman in Eden, which is a delightful spot in the presence of God. Now, as long as Adam and Eve operated in a value-driven culture by fulfilling their calling, and they kept the king and his kingdom their number one value, then guess what? Everything was good. They lived in paradise. They lived on purpose. They were pleasing to God. But when they quit valuing the king and his kingdom, then they lost their purpose. They lost their calling. They lost everything that was perfect in their life. And here's what I've learned. I want you to look up on the screen, please. Here's what I've learned. I learned that our values determine our desires. And our desires determine our priorities. And our priorities determine our decisions. And our decisions determine our destination. What, what are you saying? I'm saying that when you get the right values in your life, your life is going to be transformed. My pastor told me a story. He's told me several times. He said, Wayne, he said, I typically don't go to the church. Uh, he pastors a church in Dallas, Garland, Texas. My pastor, Pastor Hargrove, it's uh, Sister Spikes' son. He's my pastor. And uh, he told me, he said, Wayne, I don't typically go to the church on Mondays. I take Mondays off. He said, but for whatever reason, he said, this Monday, he said, I went to the church. It's about 7 o'clock. And he said, I walked in. And he said, when I did, I noticed that there was a light on in the restroom and the, and the door was open in the restroom. So he said, hmm, what's that about? So he walked down there. And when he walked down there, he met a man. It was a doctor in his church. His name is Dr. Surreal. And Pastor Hargrove looked at him and he said, Brother Surreal, what are you doing here? And uh, Dr. Surreal said, well, Pastor, he said, uh, I've been coming here on Mondays uh, around 7 o'clock for the last two years. 
He said, I come in here and I pray, do my devotion, and then I clean the restrooms. And about that time, Dr. Shereel's eight-year-old boy stepped out. Pastor Hargrove looked at him and he said, Doctor, what is your son? What, what, what's, what's this? He said, well, he's helping me clean the restrooms. And Pastor Hargrove looked at him and he said, Doctor, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. He said, what you got to know, Pastor, is I value this place. And because I value this place, I am teaching my son to value this place. See, what you value, ladies and gentlemen, determines your desires. And what you desire determines your priorities. And your priorities determine your direction. And your direction determines your destination. I'm going to show you how this plays out in the real world. Many of you have probably heard of a professional golfer. His name is Phil Mickelson. If you've ever heard of him, can I see your hand? Okay, Phil Mickelson is a golfer. He started playing golf around six or seven years of age. Golf became a value of his. In fact, he loved golf so much that when he got out of school every day, he would go, if he could, and practice golf. He determined that he had a value of golf. He had a desire to play the game. So what it did was, while others were doing other things, he went to the golf course. And he decided that he wanted to be a professional golfer. He got so good that he went pro. He became pro. And if you're a golfer, you will understand this language. He eventually won the highest tournament in the country called the Masters. At the Masters, they put on what is known as a green jacket. And it basically labels you the best golfer in the world. He became one of the greatest golfers in the country. Why? Because he valued golf. And it led him to a stage with a green jacket. And I just happened to look up for fun what he was worth. And Google said he's worth about $400 million dollars. All because he had a value that determined his desire, that prioritized his time, that led him to a decision, and that decision led him to a destination. Your values, ladies and gentlemen, determine your victories in life. If you want to make heaven your home and you want to win heaven, decide I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to do my best to produce the fruit of the Spirit. If you want to win in your marriage, you have to decide I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to learn how to say I'm sorry a lot. How many times have you forgiven Janet? A lot. How many times has she forgiven you? A lot. And if the Lord tarries, guess what? We're going to forgive each other a lot more. Why? Because we have a value of making this marriage work. You know I'm transparent with you. Janet and I would have already been divorced if we did not have a value that we want our marriage to last. Why? Because the devil hates Covenant marriage. Why? Because it reflects the body of Christ and Jesus Christ. Entering into a covenant. That Jesus said no matter what. I'm going to bless you because I've entered into a covenant with you. Hmm, I can tell you ain't ready for this. But I'm going to keep going. See, if we, ladies and gentlemen, value the king and his kingdom, our relationships stay healthy and we can live in that delightful spot in the presence of God. But when Adam and Eve lost the value, check this out, of relationships with God, they lost their purpose, they lost their calling, and they lost everything else. And once they lost the value of relationship, they entered into a performance-driven culture. And do you know what happened in a performance-driven culture? Cain kills Abel. 
Brother kills brother because now my values are not on the king and the kingdom. My values are on achievement and performance. And it doesn't matter if you're my brother. I'll slay you to get ahead of you. That's why pastors have a hard time praying for other pastors because they want their church to grow more than their neighbor's church. I'm going to tell you, that is not the king and the kingdom. The king and the kingdom's value is we all want to go to heaven together and take as many people with us as we possibly can. Can I still preach here? A performance-driven culture pursues appearance, affluence, achievement, and approval. But in a value-driven culture where the king and his kingdom are the priorities, that culture organically grows the fruit of the Spirit. So instead of Worrying about our appearance. Then we say, what does God care about? He cares about, here's what he says in his word, a meek and a gentle spirit. Instead of caring about affluence, God cares about givers. Instead of caring about in, in achievement, God cares about us being people of integrity. Instead of caring about approval, God values Placing our identity in Him so that no matter what people think about us, we know who we are in Christ. See, if you value, ladies and gentlemen, the King and His kingdom, then everything around you will grow and you'll stop wanting other people to change and you'll start saying, God, help me to grow. But see, I can't change you. And the only person I can change is me. Don't look at them now, just look straight at me. But you think the one sitting beside you is your problem. Oh my God, Pastor, if you was, just knew my wife. Oh my God, Pastor, if you just knew my husband. I'm going to tell you, if you could kick the person that causes you the most problems, you couldn't sit down for a week. Because we're praying God change everybody else. And God says, I'm worried about you. I want to try to transform you. Come on, somebody. See, but in a performance-based culture, most people live with a closed hand. Hear me. They try to keep all they can and can all they get. I'm going to say it again. They try to keep all they can and can all they get. But a value-based culture lives with an open hand. When you live with an open hand, ladies and gentlemen, here's what I've learned. God will take some things from you, but He'll always add more to you than He takes from you. Because God never gets involved with you to decrease you. He always gets involved with you to increase you. But sometimes He has to take away so that He can add. He takes away the less so He can add the best. Are you with me now? And when you live with an open hand, then what you do is you live to say, God, I want this hand to receive and I want it to release. Pastor Hargrove told me another story. He said, he said, Wayne, here's how this works, son. He said, God taught me this principle. And he said, I had a couple walk into our, my office and said, Pastor, um, we want to talk to you. He said, sure. He said, we've decided that our time here at your church is up and we're, uh, we, we need to leave. And pastor said, all of a sudden, Wayne, he said, I felt my hand grip and my heart race and tighten up. And everything in me wanted to plead with them to stay. He said, it was like God popped me on the back of my head and said, remember, you've got to live with an open hand. He said, at that moment, I looked at them and I said, okay. He said, well... If that's what you decide, then I bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He prosper you. And uh, he said, they left out. He said, Wayne, it wasn't but months later. He said, I got a knock on my door. He said, the FBI was at my door. He 
He said, the FBI asked me a question. Did so-and-so couple come to your church? He looked at them and he said, well, they used to, but they don't come anymore. He said, six months later, Wayne, he said, I saved myself a major public relations ordeal because these people eventually, both of them went to prison. He said, and if I would have closed my fist and pleaded with them to stay, he said, I'd have had a major ordeal on my hands. But because I allow myself to live with an open hand, he said, I released them and I blessed them and they went their way. See, here's what's happening. When you hold on to resentment, resentment is an acid that eats the container. I'm going to say it again. When you hold on to resentment, resentment is the acid that eats the container. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter if it's your best friend, your ex-pastor, your ex-wife, your ex-husband. I'm going to encourage you to open your hand and release that resentment so God can put forgiveness back into your hand and you can have joy again, understanding that you are living in a value-driven culture. Does that make sense? Can I keep going? Okay. See, in a value-driven culture, you learn to be a giver. Now, I haven't read this in Google, so I'm just telling you what I personally think. It's up to you to believe it. I personally believe that when 90% of people walk into a room, the first question they ask is, what can I get? Most people, when they come to church, they ask this question. What can that church do for me? What can that church do for my kids? What can that sermon do for me? When they get into a relationship, they ask the question, what can this person do for me? 90%, this is just my personal belief, when people walk into a room, they're asking, what can I get out of this? Jesus never walked into a room asking the question, what can I get? He always walked into the room asking the question, what can I give? See, this is why his, his approval wasn't wrapped up in the Pharisees. He didn't care what they thought about him. He didn't go where he was tolerated. He went where he was celebrated. I'm going to say it again. He didn't go where he was tolerated. See, it's the 4-H club. Who does God love? He loves the humble, the honest, the hurting, and the hungry. That's why I don't have time for people that want to debate. I just don't. I'm looking for people that are hungry, hurting, humble, and honest. And Jesus walked into a room. He wasn't looking for the Pharisees because they didn't think that they needed him. He was looking for the prostitute that knew she had done wrong and she needed somebody to help her. When you walk into a room, I'm going to encourage you to forget yourself. I'm going to encourage you again. When I stepped out here today, I, the last thing I did is I went to the men's room. I checked myself so I can forget myself. Because now that I'm in this room, I'm looking. Holy Spirit, lead me to the person that needs my love. That needs, God, my hug. That needs my encouragement. Lead me to, God, the hurting, the humble, the honest. Somebody that needs me. When you forget yourself, ladies and gentlemen, you Start becoming like Christ. <clears throat> and I learned this from my pastor. Again, I told you it's not original with me, but it resonates with me. I learned from my pastor, try to give something away every day. Now, does it happen every day? No, but it happens most days. Me and Janet try to literally give something away every day, whether that's a smile offering, whether that's a hug, an encouraging text, give a pat on the back, give love. We've given gift cards away. We've given cards away. Janet has fixed numerous meals for those of you in this church. She gives meals away. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm trying to tell you that I'm trying to practice what I preach because I am selfish by nature and you are too. We're all walking into the room asking, what are people going to do for me? Who's going to love me? Who's going to text me? Who's going to make me feel important? And God did just the opposite. 
because he lived in a value-driven culture, not a performance culture. Does that make sense? Can I keep going? Well, some people come and they say, well, you know what, Pastor? I don't understand you know, about giving, giving, giving. I don't get very much. If you don't get very much, look at what you're giving. Hmm. Well, I don't get a lot of cards. Well, how many cards have you gotten? How many cards have you, have you, have you gave, given lately? Well, I don't give a lot of money. Well, how much money do you give? Well, I don't feel a lot of love. Well, how much love do you give? Hey, listen, I, I, I started asking myself a question. By the way, love is one of the most powerful forces in the world. The second most powerful force is a question. Ask yourself a question. I started asking myself a question. Why am I getting anger from this person in my life? Once I sat down and got still long enough to listen to the anger, it's because that's what I was giving them. You don't get, you don't give hate and get love in return. You don't give chaos and get peace in return. You get what you give. If you want love, give love away. They don't deserve it. It don't matter what they deserve. You don't deserve it and I don't deserve it either. But God doesn't look at us through our faults. He looks at us through the eyes of love. If we got, ladies and gentlemen, what we deserved, all of us would be in hell. That went over like a lead balloon. It doesn't matter. It's the truth. And I love you enough to tell you the truth in love. You get what you give. Say it with me. You get what you give. People just say, well, I don't seem to be getting anything. The first question you need to ask yourself is, what am I giving? I'm trying to hurry. But you don't go to your fireplace and say, give me heat. Your fireplace will say back to you, give me wood and I'll give you heat. You don't go to the ground and say, I demand a harvest. The ground says, give me a seed and I'll give you a harvest. You don't go to your wife and say, give me a baby. She says, give me a seed in nine months and I'll give us a child. Come on, somebody. And we're going to people and trying to get. And God is saying, give. Why? Because you can fake some things. You can like that. You know, the world says fake it till you make it. So you're a $30,000 a year millionaire. <laughs> Taking that alligator briefcase that you can't even afford. And buying a suit that you don't even have the money for. Trying to look like something you're not. People do it all the time. It's a famous saying. Fake it till you make it. Well, you can fake affluence. You can fake some things. But you can't fake a harvest. If you don't give the ground a seed, it's not coming back to you as a harvest. That's why this is not a debt that we owe. It's a seed that we sow. And I try to sow a seed every day. Why? Because I want a continual harvest in my life. I'm not living by the values of this culture. I'm talking about values that determine your victory. I'm going to wrap this up. Everybody in this room, you have to decide. Are you going to be a thermostat or are you going to be a thermometer? You, you say, well, well, what's the difference? Well, if a, a thermometer checks the temperature. And a thermostat changes the climate. You, you know what Janet and I are working on right now? We're doing our best to be a thermostat. We want to change the climate. So whether nobody's worshiping in this house, you're going to see mine and Janet's hands lifted up. Whether I feel good or don't feel good. Whether I'm on cloud nine and everybody's treating me right or, or people are calling me whatever. I'm going to do my best to say I am a thermostat and I'm not here to... Who likes me today? Uh-uh. I ain't here to check the weather. I'm here to change the climate. And I am talking to a group of people that you ought to say, I want to be a thermostat. When I walk into the room, I ain't walking in there seeing what I can get. I'm walking in to change the climate. I'm going to worship whether anybody else worships or not. I'm going to get on my feet and praise God whether they sing my favorite.
song or not. Come on, somebody. Would you stand to your feet and give God some praise in this house? I didn't even get to my, my text. It's Matthew 6 and 33. It's my life verse. Would you throw it up on the screen? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all of these other things shall be added unto you. See, if you put His business first, He'll get involved in your business. But if you're trying to get Him involved in your business without getting His business first, He said, I don't want none of that. That's not in my value system. That is how the world operates. That's why Jesus, they were looking for him, looking for him, looking for him. They were worried about him. And when they finally found him, Jesus looked at them and said, what? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? Because that was his value. It was all about seeking God first. Because Jesus knew when I seek him first and put him first, then he knows all of these other things that I have need of will be added to me. I had somebody come up to me the other day and they said, Pastor, how do you pray? I said, you know what? I'm maturing enough now that most of my prayers just worship. Because he already knows what I have need of. Molly, come up here, sweet pea. I, I got I, I to gotta digress for just a minute. I didn't know I was going to go here, but I, I'm, I'm going to try to, I want to come alongside you here. Molly, are there certain times you ask Daddy for certain things and other times you don't? Yes. The certain times that you do ask Daddy for certain things, you just think I'm in what? Probably a good Yeah, probably a good mood. See, God's not moody, ladies and gentlemen. But there are times when you're sensitive that you can know He's ready for you to ask. Molly just knows because she knows me. Ha! Now's a good time to ask for those shoes. You know why? Because she knows me. And then other times she's like, nah, not today. Not the right timing. See, I don't come in, thank you, baby. I don't come in saying, hey, my name is Jimmy. Give me, give me, give me. First of all, I come in with thanksgiving. Father, I want to thank you. Because I know I don't deserve anything. That good meal I ate last night, I don't deserve that. The beautiful home Janet and I had, we don't deserve that. The, the, the nice car that we drove up in here, we don't deserve that. The nice suit of clothes we got on, we don't deserve any of that. I don't deserve it, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm going to tell you something. It is the Father's good pleasure to bless you with the kingdom when you try to pit Him first. When you get involved in His business and you forget yourself. And you open up your hand and you say, God, I'm willing to release and I'm willing to receive. Do y'all have three more minutes for me? I'm going to teach you a principle that my pastor taught me. He said, Wayne, I believe, son, in a God gravity. And he said, I believe that when I live with an open hand, God is going to bring to me the people, the resources, the finances, the thing that I need into my life. And as I continue to please him, those who no longer serve my story are going to exit my life. Because I live with an open hand to receive and to release. And then what that does, he told me, he said, son, what that does is, is now I can have high trust in God. And when you have high trust in God, you have low anxiety in the things of this world. And so instead of worrying about it, you worship over it. Instead of falling into a panic, you fall into prayer. Why? Because you believe in a God gravity. God, that as I put you first, the right people. Do you know what David and Michelle are? I'm going to tell you what they are. Here's my prayer. God, give us people that believe in me and Janet, that have the same passion and the same heartbeat. Bring them here. That couple right there is a result of prayer. Because God knows what we have need of. Because He knows He didn't ask us to do this by ourselves. 
And when you get over yourself and forget yourself, then you can get on a team and be a part of a team that understands this is my lane. This is what God's called me to do. I'm not in competition with nobody. I'm going to please Him. Here's what my pastor taught me. He's teaching me right now. He said, Wayne, listen to me, son. Listen to me. He said, son, you don't get good at living until you get good at dying. Except the grain of wheat fall into the earth and die. It abides alone. But if it dies, it will bear forth much fruit. Here's what I'm praying now. I'm praying, God, I want to sow my anger till it dies so that I can reap a harvest of love and not a harvest of regret. God, I want to sow my resentment so that I don't reap a harvest of bitterness, but rather I can reap a harvest of gentleness. Because when I grow, everything around me grows. Because you've never seen a farmer go to a a tree and beat the tree and say, grow. I command you to grow. No, that tree just stays planted. And in its due season, it's organically going to bring the fruit that it's supposed to bring. When you trust in this God gravity and you live with an open hand, you don't worry about, well, if I give $100 to you, you better give $100 back. Very seldom do the person that you give to always give back to you. See, that's why you don't keep score. Y'all got one more minute for me and I'll be done, I promise. I went to the door one day and I opened the door and I'll never forget it. I went to the door and I started unlocking the Holy Spirit spoke so strong to me and this is what He said. He said, Wayne, if you keep score, you're going to lose your marriage. And in a performance-driven culture, we keep score. It's competitive. It's I'll do this if you do that. Jesus walked in the room and He changed the climate because He wasn't worried about anybody giving back to Him because He knew His source was His Father. He just did the will of God. The Bible says going about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Would you pray with me, Father? I thank you. I thank you because the right values determine our victories. I want to win. I want to win, Lord. I I, want to gain. This is what Paul said. He said, I run for the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. I don't run for a little crown of leaves. I'm running for a crown of life. I want to win. I want to make heaven my home. Lord, if you should tarry and I live to be 85, I want me and Janet sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair still loving one another. I want to live and I want to, I want to be a good father to my children so that they know I'm a man of integrity. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good leader. I'm going to challenge you this morning. If you've done more than just heard, you've listened. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge everyone in this room for the next few days. Meditate on what is your values. And then I want you to write them down. Then I want you to look at them every day until they get from your head to your heart. Because your values determine your desire and your desire determines your priority. And your priorities determine your decisions and your decisions determine your destination. The right values will bring you victory. If you receive this word, would you just lift up your hands and ask God to give us revelation now? Come on, all over this house. If you receive this word all over this house, 
God, help me to sow selfishness and die to myself. Pastor, how much, what's the gauge? How can I tell how much I love the Lord? Here's the gauge. How much do you love people? Because if you love people just a little bit, you love God just a little bit. Say, I don't know if I buy that. Here's what the Bible says. Don't tell me that you love me if you can't love your brother whom you have seen. How do you think you can love me who you haven't seen? He goes on to say, listen, don't even worry about asking for my forgiveness until you forgive your brother. That's how much he wants relationship, ladies and gentlemen, because in a value driven culture, it's all about relationships. It's about loving God and loving people, putting his king and the kingdom first. See, why? Why does the enemy fight us? Because we are in Eden pulling people back out of this performance-driven culture. And we're put, trying to pull them back into a delightful spot in the presence of God. 
and the enemy hates it. And he wants you to get involved in affluence, achievement, approval, and appearance so that you don't do the very thing he designed for you to do. And that is to be about his business so you can make an eternal difference, not just a temporary one. Y'all, this is eating me up. Can you tell? How's it work, Pastor? Have people all the time buy my meal. Give me stuff. You know why? Because we're constantly trying to live with an open hand. I'm not patting myself on the back. If that's what you think, you're wrong. Trying to show you and, 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 and come alongside you with the principle that my pastor taught me. I'm trying to live it out. This one principle of learning to be a giver, if you only got that, would transform your life. I'm not, ladies and gentlemen, looking for your money. If you think that, you're wrong. My motive today is because I want you to have a harvest. And I want God's blessings to be upon you so that when people look at you, they say, you know what? Man, tell me what you got. Tell me your secrets. And you'll just say, I value the king and his kingdom. And that's made all the difference in my life. Father, thank you for the great privilege that my wife and I have of being the pastor of this great church. Lord, I pray for this wonderful congregation that revelation would hit our spirit and that you would take this word today not because I said it but because God it's your word help us to get a hold of it and it will begin to transform our life from the inside out and things will begin to organically grow around us and a lot of the anxiety and fear and stress will fall off of us because we believe in this God gravity that you're going to bring into our life what we need when we need it. We give you thanks and we give you praise. And everybody say amen. amen. Look, if you see somebody that you don't see very often, turn around and just welcome them and just tell them you're so glad to have them in service today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord give you peace.